Good day, Sangha, yogis. I have the great good fortune having another um, great privilege to have another full day of practice, of marinating in the blessings of that come from nurturing our um, present time awareness and attention, all the qualities that flow from attention. Just reflecting for a moment on our good fortune to be able to devote all our time to studying, not conceptually so much, but with the silent attention, studying the, the flow of experience and discovering for ourselves the nature of reality, how things are. We can speak very intellectually about how everything is changing, but until you experience the nature of change in the body, we speak conventionally about our our bodies all the time. Body is the center of things. And very easily to be entranced by the idea of body as a thing. But then when we start studying the direct experience of it, we see that it is in a constant state of flux. And the closer you get, especially if you were to put it under a microscope, you would not find any body. You would just find space. Wow one can, through the power of one's own attention, um, experience that same subtle truth about the nature of our bodies, nature of our experience. And all this is a matter of perception. Perception is a very big part of the um, teachings. It's one of what are called the five skandhas or the five aggregates of experience. In every moment of experience, there is the, the contact, there's the senses, there's the, the physicality, there's, that, there's feeling, there's that feeling tone that arises. There is, there is perception where you know what something is. And there is um, mental formation, there are mental formation, there are thoughts about it or reactions to it. And then there is what's called uh, consciousness. And that consciousness that arises with hearing is, it arises, it vanishes too. So consciousness is even arising and passing. And these five little aggregates, they come together and then they go away, come together and go away. And, and we take that composite of five experience, five little aggregates, we take that to be ourself a self and we take it to be self because of one of those aggregates called perception that's based on memory and memory um, memory tells us what 
something is, as I said before, but perception is based on the proximity of our observation, how close we are to observing something. Like when we, when we sometimes on the road, you see the classic example is you, you see a snake on the road and you, you start to leap, but the closer you get to that snake, you realize that it's a rope. And when you realize it's a rope, your perception changes your relationship to that experience changes as well. And the same is true when we come closer to our own moment-to-moment -moment experience. And the more closely we see and understand our experience, our hearts become freed from confusion and ignorance about what's actually going on. So we're looking in our practice at seeing as deeply as possible uh, into the nature of the way things are with the understanding is this is what frees our hearts from, from confusion. And it's confusion that then drives us to look for, for happiness in all the wrong, wrong places, to fall into a case of mistaken identity, to believe that a thought of ourself is ourself instead of a thought, a little narrative of an imagined me based on all historical circumstances, etc., very rich and very deep, but a thought that forms. And because it's a thought, there's a lot of insecurity in it. A thought of being inflated and the best, good, better, best, a thought of being the, the worst, a thought of comparing, I'm better than, I'm equal to, I'm less than. All these thoughts describe someone who doesn't actually exist in truth, an imagined you. All of that obscuring the you that is the, the richest being with, with light, with love, with, with all kinds of attributes, with all kinds of different identities, not reducible to this little story that plays through our mind. So by coming a little closer with clear perception, we, our understanding of that changes. Why am I telling you, why am I talking about this this morning? Because in order for, in order for us to see deeply in this way, we must come out of the tangle of the hindrances of wanting, constantly wanting what we don't have, not wanting what we do have. We have to come out of the tangle of, of our understandable but chronic feeling of aversion, ill will, irritation, not liking, wishing things were other than the way they are. We, want to, we need to come out of this chronic uh, hindrance of worry, our mind fixated on a future, as I've said so many times already on this retreat, on a future that never arrives, associating our happiness with some other time and then being locked into a, a kind of trance of time when really right now, where is the future? Where is the past? Where is, the, where is even the present? It's another idea. And coming out of the, the um, chronic exhaustion and tangle because of the, how much mental activity we have in distracting ourselves and seeking some stimulation, 
And then the chronic feeling that comes as a result of what we call a multiple hindrance attack, where we want so much, we don't want so much, we, we're so worried, we're so restless, we're so exhausted, and then we start to fall into skeptical doubt and confusion and, and especially self-doubt. So in order to be able to see clearly, we have to be able to both turn these tendencies of mind into the path, actually use them for awakening. And in the process of both developing a attention to our bodies, attention to moods, attention to thoughts and images, attention to these hindrances, the different states of the heart and mind. We are slowly using the material of our life experience to cultivate the opposite, not really the opposite, the qualities of mind that actually allow us to see more deeply into things. And those qualities of mind are described as, as you probably noticed on the schedule, they're described as um, the factors of enlightenment, the bojangas, the, um, the, the qualities of, of mind that when nurtured uh, create, create the optimal conditions for us to see clearly. And last night, for those of you, some of you were not along on that um, module, I talked about the fact that the only thing that we really alter in our practice, uh, once we're sitting and walking and just got our basic schedule, all that we really alter is the quality of our attention. And if we are if we if our mind is too tight uh, too rigid we soften if our if we have too much energy we calm if we are too calm and spaced out we we arouse energy and slowly slowly through the practice we begin to be sensitive not only to the objects, the normal objects of mindfulness, but we also begin to be sensitive to the quality of attention through which we are perceiving. We can, and we begin to intuit what it is that we need to strike a balance so that we can more effortlessly notice moment to moment what's happening without clinging, without condemning, without interfering with the flow of experience. And it and those are the conditions in which we can actually learn about the nature of reality. We can learn that there's nothing um, that can really be clung to as myself. We learn that, that, um, that clinging brings stress. We learn that letting go brings a feeling of freedom. But the only thing we adjust to make that happen is... Not so much what we're noticing, but how we're noticing it, the state of the mind that's noticing. So it, it's useful to both hear about and get to know the factors, the mental factors that are really helpful in being able to see clearly 
and so that we can become our own authority about what needs adjustment in the quality of our attention so that we can actually just settle back, rest, and with a lot of alertness, and just enjoy the show, the display of our consciousness, uh, and not be fighting to be uh, to be aware and to be alert. Of course, some basic needs are always are are always essential: the needs of uh, food and sleep, and a, a measure of comfort and safety. But when we're in the flow of the of the process, we we want to get to know these uh, factors of enlightenment, and I, I'm going to read them to you. Uh, this is the one time, if you would like to um, to make a little list. The centerpiece, as you probably know, to this list of the seven factors of enlightenment is mindfulness. It is the navigator. It is the quality that when nurtured, when practiced, it brings all the other enlightenment factors into balance. And then there are um, the, the rest of the list of six is often divided into two different categories. One category is the more active quality. Because sometimes we need to arouse energy, arouse, kind of activate our attention a little bit. So three of the qualities are activating, and those are the quality of investigation, curiosity, intense interest. But uh, you, you can just write down investigation or interest. The second of the active qualities is um, is energy <laughs> uh, or uh, or effort, courageous effort, or um, determination is another way of describing. And I know that many of you have called on this quality, and we have to call on this quality in our life, in very ordinary ways, just determination to stay with the, the process. The third of the active qualities is joy, gladness. Um, sometimes just the a simple gesture of putting that, as Thich Nhat Hanh recommends, that just a, a slight turning up of the lips, a little half smile on the face can activate the quality of joy. And we don't realize how a little phys physiological gesture can can just balance some of the grimness that tends to seep into our practice. We see ourselves doing walking meditation and can, and the jaw gets a little slack. Often in retreats we'll think, God, it looks like the, the it looks like the um, land of the living dead. And of course, many people are quite happy, you know, internally, but, but just sometimes Sometimes even the wise use of reflection, reflecting on your great good fortune to have the opportunity to practice uh, all kinds of things that can bring joy. So those are the active qualities, the, the more um, calming or pacifying qualities are tranquility, or calm, uh, the tranquilizing qualities is concentration. It's one of the enlightenment factors. 
I want to say just a little bit about con. I'll do, I'll go back and say something after I give you the next one. Concentration is the is the unification of mind. It's the it's the st uh, stillness of mind that comes as a as a fruit of having your mind and body come together and be sustained. At certain points, concentration arises. Uh, but you can incline the mind toward the arising of concentration when it's really scattered. You, you just really come close to the object of meditation and you stay with it. So I'll, let me, I'm, I'm talking about it now. So this is something that um, I don't want to, I don't want to forget about. Now concentration as an enlightenment factor is something that we're really involved with in the, in the practice. And you may not appreciate it, but from the first day, each time you direct your attention to your body, to your breath, to the step, to your hand as it's turning a doorknob, each time that you gather, you, you pull your attention, you're using a quality of your mind called a concentration factor called vitaka or the gathering or the aiming a little more militaristic, but aiming. And then the second quality that you're engaging every um, moment that you pay attention and, um, and, and then at least have the intention of, of staying with that experience that you're noticing, that's called, that staying with or sustaining is called a vichara. So vitaka vichara, aiming and sustaining. These are the two concentration factors that make possible, you know, and I'm, I'm actually tuning into it right now, my gathering my attention to look at you and sustaining. If I really sit and look at you, I become really uh, intensely interested in you, in each face, in each thing. That that's a third quality that comes quite naturally out of connecting and sustaining it. That's called pity or rapture. And it's translated in this case of what I'm feeling right now as intense interest. However, it energetically sometimes it comes as a surge of of um, of light of life of 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 uh, kind of an uptick of energy. Sometimes that's pleasant and sometimes it's not so pleasant. But what also comes along when the mind and body are connecting and sustaining with an object is a feeling of great comfort. There's often a feeling of a little feeling of, of what's called sukha or happiness, comfort, ease. And then finally, what what occurs just from connecting and sustaining is this quality called ekagata, which is one pointedness, which is where your mind doesn't move. And you actually paradoxically begin to feel connected to everything around you where all even though we're narrowing, all of a sudden we feel really, it's like our mind has gotten really wide, spacious. And it's often described ekagata as the one point that includes everything because we don't feel apart from everything anymore. So when periodically, this 
this connecting and sustaining, all these factors come together, all these concentration factors, and we experience that, that sense of, um, of evenness, that sense of stillness, that sense of comfort, that sense of, of uh, the mind being really held, effortlessly being able to be steady and aware. That's called concentration. So just I'm sharing this because there's a tendency to try to concentrate. Concentration in this practice is not um, a verb. It's something that happens when the conditions come together. The verb is the aiming and the sustaining, disconnecting. But usually when we try to concentrate, when we turn concentration into a verb, it creates a little tension. This gentle aiming and sustaining, it's very relaxed. So the last uh, enlightenment factor, so the, the um, tran tranquilizing ones are tranquility or calm, concentration, and the, the last but not least considered in some ways the culmination of the, of the factors of enlightenment, which is the culmination of the, the four Brahma Viharas, the, the immeasurable qualities of love, uh, the, the culmination of the, um, the 10 paramitas or paramis, the perfections of an awakened consciousness, the, the pinnacle of every list from the from the Buddha of the cultivation of the development of the practice is the quality of equanimity. Is that evenness of mind, balance of mind. And there are many, many kinds of equanimity, but the equanimity as a as a enlightenment factor is that um, is that that noticing without clinging without moving toward or away from anything that's being known. Just a, a balance of mind that, that um, is not in contention with reality, not, not moving. And so you may hear in this, and it's important to say that equanimity as a quality can be also be present when our mind is, when we're in a moment of sorrow and grief or anger, because that equanimity as an aspect of awareness, that uh, uh, the, uh, the awareness of anger is not angry. The awareness of sorrow is not sorrowful. Said variations on this over the retreat. The equanimity is this kind of balance of mind, evenness of mind, uh, impartiality, just opening to the experience that's there without moving toward it or away from it in reactivity. So the beauty of getting more into the flow of, of meditation is one, these qualities just become um, refined and developed just through the continuity of mindfulness practice. As I said, it, mindfulness is the navigator. However, each of these qualities is unconditional. It's an aspect of our nature. 
And so periodically, as our own authority, we can see for ourselves. We can start to understand these, which factors are either in excess right now, which ones are a little weak. So if we have too much energy, if we're excessively exuberant, like I feel a little right now, if we're exuberant, what we may need is a little bit of calm. And the beauty of practice is you can just drop in the word calm. Because these are unconditional qualities, it awakens something in us. So just even right now, say the word calm and notice what happens to your whole energetic system. Say the word equanimity, balance. And it attunes to something in us that's already balanced. So let's say you're, you're really sluggish and dull. Just drop in the word determination and it awakens in us something that we understand. And and it almost is a is a aroused just by saying it, but it doesn't have to be magic. Just let that let that reminder as I'm a little sluggish. I need a little determination. I need a little more courageous effort. We notice that that we're a little we're dull. We're kind of grim and a little dull. Just drop in the word joy what happens, but more importantly, arouse a little joy. Now again, all these things come into balance and one naturally starts to feel a kind of joyful attention, a love of truth as we're paying attention to things. But meanwhile, we can uh, start to become our own authority and like what is needed right now. So so this is dovetails with this idea that we don't really change anything except the quality of our attention. So we're listening for when we have too much energy or um, when we're too dull and we just, we use these factors. And then notice when they come into balance. I guess the last thing I'll say is something about equanimity. Even though I spent some time on concentration, I want to just say a couple more words on equanimity. And I was, I'm thinking about when the, when the Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree. And because we're all sitting under our own Bodhi tree during this retreat. And he made the determination not to get up from that cushion until he had found within himself a reliable refuge. He kind of already knew it was an inside job. He had tried self-mortification, he had tried uh, just entering into special states of mind, and he he succeeded in experiencing a lot of 
very powerful states of mind, but then he saw that they were subject to change and and impermanence too. And so he saw they were unreliable. So he want, he was still looking for something that was more reliable than even special meditation experiences. And he he did not want to just get right back on the cycle of, of endless searching, of samsara, endless wandering. Because he saw that whatever we tended to cling to, identify with, was, was just not um, a reliable source of relief and left in its wake um, more dissatisfaction, more desire. So he said, I'm not getting up. And so what he did was he used all of the different tools that he had learned, many of which we're using here, and he gathered his attention together, gathered and sustained, and very quickly entered into uh, concentration arose. But instead instead of just luxuriating in the pleasant state of concentration, he applied the, the strength and power of mind that comes with concentration to just study moment to moment experience, just like we're, what we're doing here, just moment to moment, nothing extra, no frills. This is kind of no frills practice, even though it's really juicy. And he paid attention, and the more he paid attention to the flow of experience, the, the stronger that sense of um, mental strength became. And there was a moment, though, when something shifted. And, he, and even though he was paying attention to changing conditions, and he, he, kept, he kept seeing over and over, things are coming, things are going, things are coming, things are going. And he saw there is nothing here that... Um, everything that arises fades and everything that arise that's arising and fades and fading is is marked by this not self it's not me it's there's no me there there's just a there's these changing conditions and the more he saw the futility of trying to hold on or fix to to push the river so to speak the more he realized the the impossibility of um of holding to anything Something in his mind let go. And as there was a, a little letting go of grasping and condemning, there was an increase of brightness in the mind. It's like there's a, a little bit of a heaviness that was taken away. The mind became even brighter and brighter. And this little shift happened. Not only did he become aware of the flow of experience, but he, but he began to sense the, the radiance of the very nature of the mind he was noticing with. His mind became brighter and brighter until it was literally shining in its clarity. A few other things that were really significant. But as his mind kind of, as he settled into this sense of being, this field of awareness, being aware, he began to feel this joy, uh, an even greater joy. And it was a joy, what sometimes called vipassana happiness, 
just the joy of equanimity, the joy of seeing the arising and passing of things, but not moving toward or away from it, just bearing witness. And he realized that this, is the, this was the first taste of freedom, of being free, of being able to have the whole range of experience, but not being so blown by the winds of, of changing conditions, being, being still, being equanimous. And he fell into this very profound equanimity, balance, that was anything but indifferent, anything but, but there was love in it. There was, um, there was all the qualities in it, but it was balanced. And it was out of that resting in that equanimity, that balance of mind, that, that in a flash of insight, he realized that, oh, he recognized that the reliable, the refuge he had been searching for was none other than uh, his own mind, looking for all reliability and everything that was changing. And he realized that there was an, an unconditional uh, well-being as his own nature. So equanimity was, the, in some ways, the doorway to... Um, a deep letting go into his nature. And that became part of the, the list of um, the culmination of every one of the lists that express, that are really just expressions of um, the capacity of our consciousness when it's awake, when it's, when it's aware. So you may not appreciate that, <laughs> that you are planting these seeds every single moment on this retreat. may feel like you're just doing manual labor here, but it's um, that you're inclining toward uh, awakening, inclining toward the, um, the maturing of these enlightenment factors. So today we'll just keep these in mind, tune into when you have too much energy, and perhaps you can just drop in the the calming factors of concentration and uh, tranquility and equanimity. Uh, when, you, when your mind is sluggish, drop in the factor of determination or energy, um, joy, investigation, interest, and let it all mature with mindfulness. Having said all of that, now it's time to let go of everything that's been said, not try to retain it. Refresh your posture, do whatever you need to do to settle into the position of this sitting meditation. Remember, the, the spirit of our practice is 
what Suzuki Roshi calls beginner's mind. He says, when in the mind of the beginner, there are many possibilities. Mind of the expert, there are few. So remember this morning or this day as a new beginning. Every moment is a new beginning. Settling into your sitting posture, just though it's the first time. Shifting a little from side to side or front to back, just to just to make sure that you found that that relaxed center point where sitting upright is most effortless, where you can really let the body go and let it be as it is. And we will include really the whole range of experience today, but just continue to support our meditation practice with the simple connecting and sustaining with our sitting body or our breath. creating the conditions for a calm abiding and the capacity to notice the, the whole range of experience when they arise in our consciousness. Maybe even this morning we could, once you have established a posture, just open to sound and um, I'm having to open to the sound of the heater here and maybe you can hear it as well. Just be aware of hearing. Let your mind be open. Sound of my room, the sound of your room, the distant sounds, sound of my voice, the sound of silence. Establishing that open and receptive awareness like the sky impartial. And receiving the sitting body with that same receptivity, same impartiality, same with the breath. Just receiving just the in-breath. That's the only thing you know in this moment, just the out-breath. feeling it, feeling its texture, and sensing space if there is one at the end of the out-breath. Letting yourself fall into that quiet, that space, or in that space, feel your body. Either one, just the emptiness or the body. Just being available to the next in-breath. Breath by breath. Breath by breath. 
Again, we'll include sounds when they become predominant. We don't get involved in the content of the sound, what they are. Just notice hearing. Of course, if there's some aversion, we notice aversion, different mental states. Sounds and then other sensations. Accommodating whatever the predominant sensation, painful, pleasurable, unpleasant or pleasant, neither pleasant or unpleasant. Not only do we feel its quality and its texture, but we notice what happens to it. We sustain our attention so that we see the natural behavior of our experience. Of course, if our heart is, mind is getting reactive to more unpleasant sensations, sometimes it may be necessary to shift your attention to some sensation in your body that you can accommodate more easily so that you can regain your composure, your balance. But as much as possible, even when it's really unpleasant, we feel it. Notice it's changing nature. And we slowly heal our tendency to be reactive toward the unpleasant, pushing it away, reactive toward the pleasant and grasping. We cultivate a sense of equanimity. Non-reactivity. Same with moods and emotions, other mental states, knowing when our mind is wanting, knowing when it's not wanting, knowing when it's spacious, knowing when it's contracted. Knowing when it's full, knowing when it's empty, calm, agitated. Just enjoying the fluctuations of the heart, mind, not clinging to any of it, not condemning any of it. Finally, being just as welcoming and mindful of the thinking mind. Thinking is to our door of perception called mind, as sounds are to the ear, as smells are to the nose, as tastes are to the tongue. Just a sense experience. When the thinking mind arises, we simply acknowledge the thinking and notice what happens to them. Notice how they arise unbidden, they float through our mind like clouds in a windy sky, and they fade away. Over the course of noticing the flow of the thinking mind, we may begin to notice the top tunes that our mind plays, the planning mind, judging mind, rehearsing, comparing, analyzing, teaching, If you can, if you 
concurrently notice the kind of thought, you can apply a soft mental label, planning, planning. Remember, we pay attention to thoughts not in order for them to go away, but we pay attention to them to bear witness to the fact that they self-liberate, they go away by themselves. That's their nature. They have no substance. And they think themselves. If you have to start thinking about what kind of thought it is, don't bother. Just notice the thinking mind thinking. Just settling back into the moment, supported by the anchor of the body, breath, sound. And see what pops, see what becomes predominant. The direction of this practice is choiceless awareness, equal opportunity, mindfulness, anything that can be known. You're welcome. Of course, when anything being known is fades away, it's no longer predominant, we either settle back into the simple feeling of being aware, settle back into the experience of the body or breath. And just linger in a sense of easy, steadiness, stillness, wakefulness, just this moment, being available to the next arising experience. Forgetting where you've been, forgetting where you're going. Just this.
Is your mind sluggish right now? Your attention sluggish? Perhaps what is needed? Is it joy? Is it investigation, interest? Is it determination? Just sense what may be needed if your mind is sluggish. If you have excess energy, notice what's needed. Is it tranquility? Is it equanimity? Energy coming from reactivity? Is it concentration? Is your mind scattered? Just sense what may be helpful to balance the factors of enlightenment. If that's too much to think about, just be mindful. Just be aware. And all the factors of enlightenment will come into balance on their own. Just this moment.
Thanks again for your practice. Thanks for supporting each other's practice. I would like for you to have the experience of a kind of unbroken flow of attention. So please take care with the transition to, um, we'll say, about almost 15 minutes total of walking practice. We'll sit again at um, about 25, 26 after the, the hour. So please take care. Please just keep that continuity Remember, attention is immovable, portable. It follows you wherever you go. So just instead of including your breath and body, include your steps. Instead of just your breath and body, include the transition feelings. Just continuous attention. Remembering in the walking a pace that you can stay interested now that you know that awakening factor, that you can stay attentive, the mindfulness awakening factor. That you can stay balanced, the equanimity factor, physically and mentally balanced. And that you can stay relaxed, the mental factor of calm, of tranquility, take your time. Just walk to and fro, remembering that you're arriving in every step. There's no place to get to, nothing to do or to undo, nothing to fix or figure out. Just be lucidly aware of the presently arising step. I'll hit the gong and we'll continue sitting.
as a way of entering into this uh, last sitting of this module to support the continuity of your attention, help you maybe have some confidence in the portability and just the ever-presentness of your capacity to be aware. I'd just like to do a kind of quasi-guided practice for the first few minutes so that you can be established more in the just the sense of being aware. Know how to trust awareness. Because as you're all this gathering and sustaining, creating the conditions to come to single-pointedness, perhaps now you you do for a few minutes at a time anyway, feel more effortlessly and continuously mindful. You may begin to be sensing that that your attention is is very open kind of spacious, just like the sky. And all the different experiences arise and fade in that, in that welcoming, impartial, sky-like nature of your mind. So just to support this sense and this capacity to trust, capacity to be aware, just take a comfortable posture. Establishing the simple awareness of sitting, letting the body go into that open, receptive awareness. And if you're willing just to imagine or sense or experience your mind to be like a clear, empty sky without limits. And once again, be aware of the different sounds that are heard. The sound of the gongs, the sound of my voice, the distant sounds, sounds in your room. Let all the sounds, loud and soft, arise and fade without naming them or judging them, just simply hearing. 
sounds come and go. The mind is like space. The sounds arise in that space and they pass away. Make no effort to hear the sounds. Let the sounds arise and let listening happen by itself. In that clear, open, receptive, sky-like nature of your mind, once again become aware of physical sensations. Like points of feeling or stars flickering in an evening sky. Occurring, making no impact on the welcoming, open, sky-like nature of the heart-mind. Sounds and sensations. There's no inside, no outside. Just these appearances arising, flickering, making no impact on the open, receptive, sky-like nature of awareness.
No need to make the slightest movement toward or away from any experience. Allowing the sounds and sensations appear and disappear in the open stillness of mind. Just be aware of sounds and sensation. In that sky-like nature of the mind, be aware again of thoughts and images. Like clouds blowing through a windy sky, the thoughts, like clouds, have no roots, no home. Vaporous, sometimes described as like a footprint of a bird in emptiness, rising, vanishing, making no impact on the welcoming, impartial, sky-like nature of the mind. Sounds, sensations, thoughts and images. There is no inside, no outside. Just these appearances. Rising, flickering, changing. in this vast welcoming sky-like nature of the mind, remaining still, be the stillness, 
Just check it out in our immediate and direct experience. There is no solid body, no arms, no legs, no front, no back, no sides, just points of sensation flickering like stars in an evening sky. Plenty of room in this vast openness. Relax into this sky-like nature of the mind. It's home. Since awareness is self-knowing, look within the nature of your mind. It's clear. It's open. It's invisible. Look within your own mind, clear, empty, not made of anything, shining, containing all experience, but not bound or limited by it, free. How boundless and free is the sky of awareness. Rest in this natural, great peace of being aware. Notice how effortlessly the sounds are known. How effortlessly the sensations are known, the breath is known. How effortlessly, effortlessly the thoughts are known, like clouds floating through an open sky. Just rest in a state of being lucidly aware the sky-like nature of the mind, it's home. Just be aware. Be mindful. And when necessary, gathering and sustaining, steadying, otherwise relax into this natural great peace. And be choicelessly aware of whatever comes Mm-hmm.
I'll leave you now to rest in the sky-like nature of the mind and see what pops. Sounds, breath, other sensations, moods, thoughts, and images. No need to look for anything, to see what emerges in this relaxed openness. Rest your weary minds. If sensing your mind is like a sky feels too vague or open, just feel free to anchor your attention, body and breath, staying connected. this unfolding now through the body. Otherwise, just unfurl your mind and rest in this natural open awareness.
Mm. Really enjoy being with you this this time of the day. Uh, just a few more things to say about that last practice that we did. It was really just the point to introduce you or allow you to um, to let go of the training wheels a little bit and just to have a sense of of um, the naturalness of being aware. Had I had we invited you to do that on the first day, without the aiming and sustaining, without the conditions that lead to to more focus and concentration, you would have just probably been spaced out most of the time. But once we've gathered a little bit, created those conditions of of a little more mental strength, then it's possible to then both sense and rest in and trust that just our that ever-present availability of awareness. Uh, so feel free to use that, that sense of just being aware as you're anchored today. And, and just a reminder that the metaphor you, that I used is one that's commonly used as the metaphor of the sky, but our mind is clearly not the sky. Uh, our mind is sky-like in its openness, in its impartiality. You know, sky opens to all the weather, but uh, our but our mind is is. I could wax about this. It is so much more rich, and the most obvious difference is mind has consciousness. It's imbued with consciousness and intelligence, and love flows from. Affection flows from being aware and being connected. So there are many metaphors that are used. There's um, unshakable like a mountain, lucid like a flame. Uh, I'm the boundless ocean, this way and that. The world moves the way it was, but I'm not shaken. Or as, as Canada's national treasure, Leonard Cohen put it, if you don't become the ocean, you'll be seasick every day. So just, we have that capacity. Uh, and again, if it's, if it, uh, you can feel, use that, that sense when you walk during, hopefully you continue right into walking right now in your own practice. And just sense the environment that, that field of awareness around your body, including anything that is seen is part of the space of your own mind. It's not outside. And so this, this inside outside idea, we just let it go and just see everything as an as a reflection of, as an expression of your own mind. And you may wonder how certain people got into your mind, but here they are. And so we, we know we need to get along. Uh, so, and also, if it all feels too space, spacey, it, it depends on this body to be able, and its senses to be able to even perceive in this way. So always um, rely on the anchor of the body. Uh, And hopefully today you just maintain as much continuity as possible. Just keep planting that, that seed of mindful attention, sensing when you need to to strengthen or, or weaken one of the awakening factors that I talked about and and be your own guru. And of course, we'll apply little supports, but it's really up to you to, to uh, train your heart uh, to stay here. <laughs> anyway, pleasure to be with you. And, uh, 
just so that it doesn't feel too weird, feel free to unmute and um, say good day to everyone. And then we'll sign off. You are a great blessing, and I bless you all back. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks, Thank everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Wonderful day. Great day of practice. Thank you so much, all of you. And how are you in a bit? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.